Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of React Roundup. I am TJ Van Toll, and with me today on our panel is Jack Harrington. Hello. And Paige Niedringhaus. Hey, everyone. And our special guest today is Shubham Katri, which hopefully I pronounced correctly. Shubham, welcome to React Roundup. Why don't you tell people who you are, what you do, why you're famous, all those good sorts of things. Yeah, hi, TJ. Thanks for inviting me on this. And I know I'm not really famous, (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) yeah. So I am a software engineer working with Meta currently, and I've been working on frontend for about like what, five years? five plus years, mostly with React. I'm really, really passionate about React. And I think most of my development time I've worked with with React and quite enjoyed a lot in it. And all like, I'm actually happy to see the progress that it has made in terms of what it was back into 2016 or even earlier to what it is now, especially with the release of like React 18, which just happened a few weeks ago. So yep. yeah, a lot has changed. A lot has, a lot of improvements have happened. And yeah, there's more to come. <laughs> cool. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. Well, we're going to get into all of that. So we can talk a little bit about your background, but I know we reached out originally from an article that you wrote about strict mode in React. So I think we're going to open with that. And maybe just to kick us off, you could start by just explaining what is strict mode, right? To any beginners, anybody that doesn't know what it is, like, what is it? (laughs) Yeah. So as you all know, right, like React has under, like as I just also mentioned, React has undergone so many changes. And over the course of these changes, React has deprecated some stuff and they have introduced new ways of doing some other stuff. So in the newer versions, as and when people write code, so in order for them to not make mistakes and and to avoid those mistakes that could happen because of using that old pa- patterns, React introduced something called as a strict mode, which is just a normal component that prompts you when you're doing something wrong. And yeah, that is what React strict mode is. <laughs> it's funny. I didn't even realize it's implemented as an actual component, but I guess it makes sense because it's right there in your, because it's just like the React that strict mode that I think, is it on by default? Yes, it is. So like when it's basically like when you use this create react app, which is kind of like the go-to 
thing for all people to even start their development and sandbox everything mm-hmm. it it out of out of box enables this for you and you have react dot strict mode component automatically rendered at the top of your rendered hierarchy but you could disable it you could choose to remove it and move it into a part of your application so it's totally up to you and you have full control of what you want to do with it so, so what do you think it's going to bite most people about like when it comes to strict mode the thing that it bite most to people about was the use of legacy lifecycle functions which when react introduced react hooks there was a huge transition from using class components to functional based components and these functional components had hooks and whereas the class components is lifecycle methods so react deprecated all some of those lifecycle methods because they wanted to do what they wanted to actually achieve was concurrent rendering so they deprecated some of those lifecycle components which were like very widely used by people and so <laughs> as and when if you try to use those deprecated lifecycle methods it would just like prompt you about hey you're using a wrong lifecycle method like try this <laughs> so is are the warnings that we're talking about that react strict mode a strict mode displays are they the ones that i see in my dev tools console where it tells me that you know that will component will mount you know is one that should be removed or different errors yes. like that Yes, yes, that is correct. Got it. So I've been using strict mode and never even knew that's what was causing this <laughs> warning messages. Yes. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> it's funny that we don't even realize that it's there and it's some like in development it leads to some some random things that happen and you're like, "Oh, this is not what I intend to happen, but why is it happening?" <laughs> so it's not that we can't use classes necessarily but it's that we can't use specific life cycle methods life cycle yes right yes because i get this question a lot like our class like our class is deprecated as components and i know yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) it will take facebook a long time to even push for (laughs) deprecating class components because like they are heavily using react and like i think they themselves would have like tons and millions of classes that they would have to migrate to class component hooks. So I, I, I doubt that the time will come soon where you'll be asked to not use classes at all. It's very interesting to me that this is implemented as a component. I Do you know like internally how it's able to figure out this stuff? Like, is it like, because to me, like usually a lot of these, because I almost view this as like a static, like a generator, a static analyzer, whatever the proper term is and lots of times those will actually like read in source code files and parse them to look for for certain things i'm i'm very curious how it's actually able to ter- determine some of these things from just operating as a regular component that's a really good question i like as far as i have understood of what it does is like it's basically something that is a wrapper that is used to display the messages for you a kind a most sense of parsing and everything that is done is an internal implementation of that particular class that is rendered at the top so we could possibly imagine as something called as some context that they are holding and some data that they they actually like are able to pick up while while rendering the rest of the children components within them them yeah that makes more sense like so if anything else needs to publish like hey i noticed this violation or whatever it just makes it available so the strict mode can shoot it to the console or whatever it is it's going to do with it. Okay. Yeah. Are there other things yeah, in strict mode? Like, particularly if, you, if I use, if I'm doing only hooks, I'm doing only functional components, are there areas where strict mode is going to get up in my, in my grill? <laughs> yes. 
there are so there are a few things that actually strict mode helps you with so like it's not just the life cycle methods it's like so at the beginning right like the react had something called as refs which the definition of refs changed from time to time so initially they were just strings then they you had callback functions then you had react.create ref now in hooks you have use ref so the way of using refs has changed but the thing that has been deprecated is the string refs right there is a lot of problems related to string refs and i think there was a github issue that that even like dan abramov had had actually commented on that it's hard for react to keep track of which component was using that ref and then then there might be some inconsistencies in in figuring out which which ref are you pointing at so so that was one thing one issue related to string refs and yeah so that strict mode also helps us identifying this then similarly there was another function called as find dom node which would be like say you want to like get the dom size or something like that and you want to get some properties of that particular element rendered on the in in the dom you would actually want to get the reference of that dom and you would do yeah. you could just do find dom node and then get that reference and get all the properties of or like anything right but some like what 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 actually happened is that when react introduced fragments you could render multiple components and there was not just one component but multiple components rendered there so if you put a if you try to access find dom node on a class component it did not know what what are you referring at which particular component are you referring at and so they wanted a direct way to actually attach like use get a ref on that specific element so they deprecated this find dom node so it helps you find if you are using find dom node also within your code and that you shouldn't be using it oh nice so that well, is use, use ref if you do use, yes, use ref, use ref direct on the element okay nice <laughs> yes yeah then there is the context api which has also changed in i don't know exactly which version but i think it was version 16.3 when the brand new latest context api was introduced and before that there is this legacy context api wherein what would happen is that if if for example some some component used like should component update and return false and so it prevented re- re-rendering all of its children so even the context if if there was a change in context it did not reflect when within the children who were prevented from re-rendering because of those should component update implementation or things like those so even so that was the reason that old context api was moved on to the new context api and strict mode again helps us, uh, us detect whether you are using an old context api in your code or any shouldn't have been using it anyway, any though. that's that that was it, we shouldn't be, but okay but, that, yeah. <laughs> but it's not that you are using it it could be that you're using a library that is using it and react will help you identify that redux <laughs> yeah actually that's the the one i've ran into that before actually page and i just hit this in an app quite recently i it's those situations are always tricky because sometimes you <laughs> Like it helps you identify the libraries doing that, but obviously you don't have control over that. So do you like, is there any way to suppress some of these warnings? Because like in my case where I ran into it, it's like a library that like it's using it, but I know it's not actually causing any problems and I'm not going to migrate away from that library. But then every time I open the console up, it's going to yell at me for some internal thing that's happening deep within this. So do you know if there's any way to, to get rid of that or is it just sort of something you kind of have to live with? It's, there is not a direct way to actually get rid of that, especially in devs, because in prod, you will definitely not see this since strict mode only runs in devs. 
I'm not in production mode, so okay. there isn't an overhead there. But yeah, do you would definitely see that thing popping up as as and when you're using it in development mode. I, the I thing say... you could do is oh, go ahead. Yeah, the thing I think you could do it is like if if that library is in some specific part of your application, you could probably avoid using strict mode in that that part of your application. Maybe that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I'll say too that it does incentivize these libraries too because because people will complain about this immediately. So yeah. like <laughs> there there's an open issue for it, and the, because of obviously as soon as you see that and you track it down, it's like the most annoying. So number yeah. one way to like trigger developers if you're spitting out a random thing to the console. So oh yeah. So hopefully mm-hmm. it acts as incentive for libraries to sort of remove these things and push out new versions and such. Yeah, <laughs> that that is right. Like apart from this, I think one one other thing that that was a big step up in terms of React was when when this version sixteen change happened, which was this entire rewrite of React onto React Fiber. Mm. which which was basically a lot of not not something that was really vis- like visible to the consumer directly but a lot of internal changes happened where then they tried to optimize a lot of those rendering stuff and see where where they could actually batch some of those things into smaller chunks rent, like do those things there and then then pick if there are some important things coming up then like prioritize which things they want to execute when and that that is how react fiber thing came up and then a lot of those changes happened from there so a uh, uh, thing that was affected from react fiber was this thing called as so there are just two phases in react which is the render phase and a commit phase so in, previously in class components right they had these lifecycle methods so some of these lifecycle methods which were like component will mount component will receive props and like component will update so what would happen is this these com- these lifecycle methods would would kind of execute in the render phase like or before the render phase whereas something called as component did mount or component did update or yeah con- like basically those two lifecycle methods these are short short lifecycle methods which would execute after the component has finally updated and everything is kind of set, settled so everything is in a, is a good enough commit state so these two phases like commit phase and the render phase right so commit phase is like certain and render phase is something that that was affected a lot with this fiber change so if if the render phase was split into multiple multiple things multiple smaller parts it could so happen that some of these lifecycle methods could be executed twice because the render phase was like picked up twice and so on. Mm. So if if you had an incorrect logic in one of those render functions or one of those lifecycle functions which was called during render, you might have an unexpected effect in your app in in in, in production. So to prevent them that. Re- Stick mode also provides you a kind of functionality which triggers these methods twice so that if there is something that you added in those methods, you could actually see the difference. For instance, say you added a subscription in component will update, component will update or component will mount say if you added a subscription. So if, if you have strict mode in your app, it basically will trigger that subscription twice. So you kind of see that two two sub two subscription instances have been created. So you will know that there is something wrong. So like gotcha. that was one of the biggest things and one of the most confusing things that people actually face. And I like the, the thing that actually made me write this article was this specific thing. Wherein because I, I was a lot active on Stack Overflow and I used so many people asking questions as to why this thing happens twice. Why why are they seeing the render controlled <laughs> twice? So yeah, so this was because of strict mode. <laughs> 
Mm. Crazy. So I feel like if I was listening to this, I'd be like, this guy works at Meta. What's it like to work on our with React at Meta? As much as oh. whatever degree you can say. Oh, I have a question. But right before that, okay. have you gotten used to saying that you work at Meta versus <laughs> Facebook? <laughs> uh, do you still catch yourself? Like, or does it roll, come naturally <laughs> yet? No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I have to say I, I work at Facebook. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it's crazy working working at Meta because like you're you're not only using React to its like like a version that is not available in public, but you're also using other such libraries libraries like Gra- like GraphQL, Relay, and all those are things that are not there in public, and there are a lot of experiments that st- start to happen and internal rollouts that start to happen within the company and so you're using the latest version quite earlier to what when it has been released in the public so for example i can probably say that like suspense was introduced at, or as version 18 just now but it has been internally used in facebook for about like what, two years mm. oh, wow. wow so yeah there, there is <laughs> a huge amount of things that are there <laughs> in react and yeah <laughs> well that's so, good for us though right from our perspective we get a really good field tested react yeah i mean how yes, do you exactly how do you go about using some of these new features when there's no documentation or really like stack overflow, you know, answers to look at? (laughs) I actually see it quite a challenge, but, but the thing with it is like, there is a good amount of support groups that are available. And even the teams that actually work on these are very, very, very prompt. So if, if, if at all, there are other other problems or people face problems with these like there are groups that we can post on or post our questions on and like people from these teams or people who know answers to these are quite prompt enough in responding to those so kind of have an internal stack overflow (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) yeah because is it part of like your expectation as you use these libraries that you're sort of on the lookout for you know any rough edges or anything that doesn't work quite right or like, are you intended to be like beta testers for these frameworks or is, or are you just primarily focusing on the apps you need to build and getting what you need to get done? No, no, not, not primarily focusing on uh, like being as beta testers. It's nothing like that. It's, it's like, it's open to public to actually test. And so like, there are so many engineers, even within Facebook that they will have a, a huge amount of test ground available if, if people are able to use them within their apps that they develop for their team so and any sort of feedback like there are so many feedback groups even within meta that like if something goes wrong people are able to provide feedback on those groups and then something can be picked up and improved from there so that's how it works it's not generally in terms of expectations that you have that you have to be providing feedback or not but if you can that's well and good so somewhat related question if you are starting up a new project like there's something new to build is like react the almost like required tech stack or is it <laughs> like is it just like highly recommended i'm, I'm curious how that goes like if you wanted to build something in angular uh oh, for, for example possible? like with that like yeah how would that go how would that play out i think they might have some kind of in like this internal things wherein they they would want to have your like code UI code quality or something like that so that they would want to keep it consistent. But for a normal side project, I don't think that would be a problem. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in, in terms of front-end stacks, because of this comment, the 
because of the UI components libraries that we have internally and stuff like that, it's always easier to like start yeah. with React and have it in React. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. I think that makes sense because even for companies that don't control a major rendering framework, usually there is there are standards around like we primarily use this tech stack because it just makes consistency easier. So I think even for non like meta Facebook type companies, it's common to say React or Angular or whatever is our standard library. So if you're going to build with something else, you you better have a like a reason to do so to yeah because <laughs> it's going to make your life a little bit harder. <laughs> Unless you're at Google, and then you know they they came out with Angular, and I don't <laughs> know how much they actually use it. Internally. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, well, I know they use a, a lot of React. Yeah, they have a habit of killing off stuff a lot sooner than well, that's true. Some places. Yeah. <laughs> So Shubham, can you tell us like some of the, without going into too many specifics, some of the cool things that you've gotten to work on while at Meta? Oh, well, I joined Meta very recently. So there's not a lot of stuff that I, that, that I have, but <laughs> it's been fun working here. Like good learning, people are cool. So, so everything is good. <laughs> are you getting to work on more of like internal tooling or are you actually working on some of the public facing stuff? It's a bit of both, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could ask a broader question too. Uh, how did you get into software development and into front-end development? You said you've been involved with React for quite some time. So is, did it? Did you just stumble upon it as like something you liked? Were you trying to solve a problem? Like how did how did you get started down this path? Yeah, so it all started in term, like from an internship that I had. So like there was this project that that we kind of had to do and. And looking at options of different frameworks and different options, like different libraries that are available. But that time we kind of, like, I think explored even, uh, we explored React, we explored Angular, and there were other template libraries also. I, I don't even remember the name, which they were, but yeah, <laughs> a lot of templating engines that we de deliberated on. And I think in, in, at that time, React actually fit the best in, in what I was trying to do. And, I, I really, really enjoyed working with React. It was so, so easy to like get onboarded with it. Like it's, it's like even did even when I did not know JavaScript a lot, it was not very difficult for me to get onboard on React and like start developing my entire application from from scratch. So like that is how I started. Then I just like like, like really loved it so much that <laughs> that I kept doing it. <laughs> and then Meta reached out and said, "Hey." should work at Meta. Or you're like, what's Meta again? And you're like, hey, oh, that's Facebook. Yes, that's what that is. <laughs> Those things happen. Like, <laughs> like not wasn't a focus initially, though, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How big of a presence does Meta have in India? Is, is it like 
do they have a lot of people working there? Like, I, I really am totally naive here. I don't really have a sense of uh, what that's like and like what your what your day to day is like. I don't think Meta has an office in India. I, I'm not too sure. Like, <laughs> ah, so you, are you working totally remote then? No, no, I am working from London. So I work from London office. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I totally misspoke. I thought I saw like on your profile. Are you recently in London or? Yeah, I recently moved London to London. Oh, yeah. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and I do know Meta has a quite a pretty big presence in London because a lot of the like, yeah. core team and stuff are even there. Oh, that's yeah, very I was going to cool. say, I think that's where the core team is based. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I thought the React Native team was based there for sure. Now the whole the whole team is based there. Wow. I'm pretty sure that Dan Abramoff, yeah. who's you know one of the the core contributors at least, is based there. So I think the rest of the team is yeah. as well. Nice. Yeah. So Shubham, do you have any uh, advice for people who are looking to get into Meta? I know that that's a big one, and and from what I've heard, the interview process is pretty extensive. It's it's always like to have good strong fundamentals that 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 matters like i think if if you have good strong fundamentals and a basic understanding of how things work internally i think you will be able to like crack any company not just meta but yeah i think the focus should be on that and like the, the rest of the things come along the way did you get is the interview process very like computer sciencey whiteboardy or I, i'm curious like at a high level uh, how much you got grilled on stuff like that, like binary trees, <laughs> DSAs. That's what, yeah, you have to have black, red, like binary no, trees no, on a whiteboard. No, like, <laughs> no, 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 nothing like that. It was a lot, a lot of like front end focus interviews. So it's quite good. Like, I, I am actually proud to say that like f- Facebook interview was one of the first interview that I had, which was properly front-end focused and had very little focus on data structures, I would say. I never understood the whole idea of like asking, I'm honestly, really anyone who's not actually involved in like really, like the last time I talked to somebody who was actually doing data structures on a, on a regular basis, they were doing like database kernel work, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, I don't know anybody who's doing API work or certainly front-end work that has, has to balance red black trees. <laughs> what are you even asking that for? Like, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's nice, to hear, it's nice to hear that they're starting to kind of tailor, I guess, the interviews to different parts of the stack, because there's, like you say, there's very few front end engineers who are going to need to know how to traverse binary trees or talk, <laughs> you know, talk in depth about that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, why mm-hmm. ask them about it? <laughs> Trees are still fine, like because Dom is like a tree, but but yeah. then other stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even with the Dom though, it's not like you're traverse. Well, I mean, you uh, anymore, you don't even really traverse it because every library is gonna <laughs> it's gonna abstract that from you. But oh yeah, even when you do, it's it doesn't work anywhere like the uh, the classic it computer science true, true. stuff. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, that is right. <laughs> cool. So, I mean, you started off or we started off talking about one of your one of your many written pieces, but I see looking at your Medium profile that you have quite a lot of other ones. Do you want to talk about any of maybe the collapsible collapsible menu in React with Intersection Observer? That looks pretty interesting. Mm. Yes, I think that was the first article that I wrote. 
and i think like initially when i start started thinking about ri- i writing an article i had no idea what what topic i should choose because in my mind it's like everything is like everyone should know everything <laughs> like already so there's so many documentation available <laughs> for everything <laughs> that <laughs> like you you search a topic and you'll find an article on it and i was like how, how why should i write an article on it again <laughs> but yeah this was one thing that i actually found very fun and interesting when i tried to think about it it was like if if you have multiple menus in a nav bar and if you try to collapse it like if you try to have render it on a smaller screen they kind of go into an overflow menu and this is a common interaction that somehow some sometime we used to do with css like when where you had media queries to actually decide how many things you want to render and the rest you would render in a in an overflow menu but this was another approach that like some of my friends and we kind of discussed and we thought that intersection observer was really really good fit here because it kind of tell, told you what what item within the what item fits within your view and what doesn't and so you can decide which one goes in the overflow menu and which one renders there in 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 the space available so <laughs> that that was the most interesting one i think i I I enjoyed writing. <laughs> Very cool. So do you find intersection observers work really well with React? I mean, is it kind of a natural flow there? It, yes, it uh, it does, right? Like, it's not 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 a lot difficult to actually abstract it out and even use it within React. So it can easily go into a lifecycle method wherein you can initialize an intersection observer and then like like add it to elements that you want. <laughs> it to work on <laughs> i'm curious what got you into writing the articles did you was it just the the fact that you wanted to help people out was it because you were like job hunting trying to build your name like what was what was the motivation because you do have quite the quite the library of of articles out here so i i know firsthand it's a decent amount of work to put that stuff together so i'm just curious curious what the it's, motivation was at least initially so like I I used to contribute a lot on Stack Overflow, like like insane amount of time I used to spend on Stack Overflow. Like I have quite a profile there, but like I heard it from a lot of people that you should write articles, you should write articles, and it, this was one of the most challenging thing for me because in order to write an article, you have to think what you want to say, what you want to talk about. Whereas on Stack Overflow, you know, someone has asked you a question, and you just reply back. So you don't have to prepare that content yourself. <laughs> so I just picked up this motivation that I I'll challenge myself and I try to write an article. So I started with one, then I like I I found out that there is another topic that I can write about. I just picked that up like and yeah like week after week week after week I and I I saw that there was engagement on those articles and people actually liked it. So I kept writing more. <laughs> Yeah, gets a little addictive, right? You know, you kind of get into <laughs> it, like it is, it is. <laughs> structuring content and thinking about ways to improve how you present stuff, yeah. making graphics. <laughs> and I found your Stack Overflow profile, and it is indeed quite impressive. You have nice. like <laughs> you have uh, twenty times the reputation points that I have on there. Woo! So. I, I have to say, like, a genuine thank you from behalf of all of us, because I think statistically, it is very likely that you have helped me <laughs> on, a random, on a random Google search throughout the last few years. So much appreciated, because uh, I, I know there's a lot of time that goes into that. So yeah, you've, made, you've helped make the 
the internet's a better place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank it's a great you. thing about Thanks. the dev community. Yeah. It really is good. Yeah. Actually, I've enjoyed helping people and it, it kind of gave me a lot of pleasure when, when like, like someone says that, yeah, yeah, it's, their problem was resolved and yeah, like, oh, wow, <laughs> that is nice. <laughs> and, and also like what I have always thought about is, is that it has also improved my speed and my understanding of things because as in when I was trying to help someone, I was also trying to debug the same thing on my machine and learning something new to try to answer that. So <laughs> work yeah, right. both ways. <laughs> yeah. It's always interesting to see what, what problems folks come up with. Like, I don't know how you got there, but it's actually kind of interesting. And now we're going to fix it. But I don't think you should have gotten there in the first place. But still, right. it's interesting to see how to fix it. You fix your way out. It, it is interesting because I, I spent quite a bit of time on Stack Overflow, not nearly at the scale you did, but a decent <laughs> amount of time on Stack Overflow several years ago. And I did find it really helped, like even like learn a technology, because lots of times if you're trying to learn, say, some framework, you you can't really come up with like a contrived, like build a silly app. It's 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 not the greatest way to learn, but sometimes just helping others um, see what mm. their problems are and what you can get through it. Not only like, are you benefiting someone, but it gives you a way of starting to experiment with that framework in a very real way, mm -hmm. like solving real problems yeah. actual people are having. So it's, it is a, actually a really good way to, to get familiar and learn a technology too. It's not to-do list number yeah. 8,542. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Make a to-do list, but have it connect to, you know, some random ticker service and like what no please <laughs> that's the one downside of stack overflow though is you always get the people that just they post their issue and it's like the most specific thing ever like it they've got references to their own servers and oh their yeah own, their yeah. own stuff and they, it's like 300 lines of code and they're like why am i getting this air like uh, can you help me do no, my I job can't. please yeah exactly <laughs> basically, basically can you yeah do my job for me yeah <laughs> the other ones, the ones I find frustrating are the ones that are like super vague, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like there's just like you're only there's giving like 20 percent of the information that I would need to figure this out. And yeah. those never get answered. You know, they no. just kind of linger. Yeah. Actually, actually, that that is a good question. Since you spent so much time answering Stack Overflow questions for all of us out there that have problems that want to get help from Stack Overflow. Do you have any like tips for people if they're if you want to get help on Stack Overflow, what are some things you should do as the asker? Like, what are some things you should provide to make the answerer's lives easy? Yeah. I think the best thing that can get you an answer is that if you have a, a, a sandbox or something of your problem already there in the Stack Overflow. So, like, it's easier for the person trying to look at your problem to see on your sand sandbox and then debug it there and provide an answer to you. So, I think that that is something that has worked and like when I used to see it, I all I always found those kind of questions the easiest to answer and the fastest to answer. The other thing that kind of works is that if people are able to give in like the smallest amount of details clearly, like if like this is the piece of code where I'm facing the problem and I'm seeing this this error. Like is is there anything that I could be missing? So if people can narrow down on what the problem is in, that's the that's another thing that can help them get an answer easier. Like rather than having an entire app and I don't, this is there I'm getting and this is my entire app. And like, <laughs> Could be yeah, coming here's from the, anywhere. <laughs> yeah, here's the three hour setup procedure to initialize Mongo. And you're like, no. And then of course, like the thing that they're worried about, like this biting them in the butt has nothing to do with any of that. 
right? It's always yeah. like, you know, some, ran, you know, use effect is getting called twice or something like that. And you're like, yeah, yeah. go and take your problem, hone it down to just the smallest possible well, example that mm. demonstrates the problem, put it on Code Sandbox, and you're you're probably going to get an answer. And I yeah. think like Code Sandbox, Stacklets, all those oh, services, yeah. they're they're a great way of helping you isolate the problem too. Because mm-hmm. yeah. if you can't get it running in those environments, that means your example is tied to something that is right. specific is to your your, your project. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So if you do think it's a problem outside of your app, then you should be able to get it to running. You might have to do some work, right? Uh, like it's yeah. not necessarily going to be easy, but you might have to like mock out some servers or whatever. But it, it'll at least let you. It's the best way to get help because otherwise, yeah. uh, you're not going to benefit from others because they won't be able to figure out what's up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another good also thing is to some- be able to. I'm sorry. So if someone is, if you're expecting someone to invest time in something that you are stuck on, I think it, it's good that you also invest time to make it easier for them to understand that what you are stuck on. Yeah, exactly. well said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, actually, another good thing to do is to uh, let people know what, what what working looks like. Like yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's what it's supposed to. This is broken. Was, okay. Yeah. Okay. Is it really? It seems to work. Like, oh no, 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 no. It's not giving the right answer. Wait, what what's the right answer then? Like what? That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's it's kind yeah. of like when you're at work and you are stuck on something and you get one of your coworkers to come over and give you a hand. You've got to tell them already what didn't work what you've already tried and what you think the issue is and then from there got it, got it. you can fi- figure it out but yeah don't don't just like d- post the vague it doesn't work i don't oh, know why <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> help me <laughs> yeah and yeah. also i would just i would give yourself a little bit of time like maybe 5 10 15 minutes to actually try and work through the problem yourself. Read the error messages, try and see what the difference was between what you where you were and where it's not and now that it's not working. Like did you add a library? Maybe that's the problem. Something try and give yourself the opportunity to do some debugging before immediately like jumping on Discord or jumping in a Stack Overflow. And, it doesn't work. You know, here's my 300 <laughs> lines of code. It doesn't work. What? <laughs> Yeah, true. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. Shubham, Shubham, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing your names still rightly, uh, still correctly. But is there anything we've missed? Are any articles that you wanted to chat about? Any topics you're you're interested in that you do you wanted to talk about that we we haven't brought up? I think like that was good. Like I think the the article which I actually would have pointed to was this collapsible menu which we already discussed. That there's one more article that that I did write which I enjoyed a lot was this custom pagination component in React, which I which we all use a lot in one way or the other, but most mostly from a library. So it's one one where we could just like <laughs> with a bit of a work, bit of small understanding, a like a good good start a small start that you can do if you want to actually like write something on your own and like test it out, learn something. So this is another thing that I actually like as a small project in itself as well. Cool. Yeah, and we will make sure to to link up to your your medium profile in the the show notes as well so people that want to check all these out can find all of them there cool hey folks if you love this podcast and would like to support the show or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages then you're in luck 
We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. So with that, why don't we move on to the picks where we pick something fun or interesting uh, in our lives or in technology. And Jack, do you want to kick us off today? Sure. Um, so I just got turned on to this touch portal. It's pretty cool. It's a an application for like uh, an iPad or an iPhone or yeah, mobile device where you can hook up macros to it and you can use your, you know, your phone while you're in Zoom meetings or whatever to like, you know, automate processes in your life. It's, it's pretty, pretty cool. I love these little gadgets like this. And the idea that you can kind of extend it into your own code and get it to execute your own code and do cool things for you, like start a build or whatever. It's pretty cool. So what sort of things have you automated with it or tried to automate with it? Mostly around the Discord stuff. So, you know, running a fairly large Discord channel, server tends has a lot of little, you know, things that you need to do. So, yeah, just trying to do that. Gotcha. But we'll see. Cool. Who knows where the future will take it. <laughs> awesome. Paige, any picks this week? Sure. So my pick this week is going to be a TV show that I've been watching and has just ended, just wrapped up its season series finale. And it is the show Ozark that's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen it, it is about a family that ends up moving to the Lake of the Ozarks, which is southern Missouri, to launder money for some big time illegal enterprises. We'll just put it that way because there's a, a couple different ones that turn up during the, the course of this show. But it just wrapped up its series and it's it's gritty and exciting and you never know where it's going next. So if you're looking for something that's like that, I would definitely uh, say give it a watch. And it's kind of fun because a lot of it was actually filmed in Atlanta where I live. So it's it's cool to recognize some local landmarks where they're actually trying to make it look like the Lake of the Ozarks and not Lake Lanier, which is where they ended up filming a lot of it here. <laughs> is this season like the last or is it so is the show is done done at this point? Yeah, I think it's four seasons all together and it's, you know, probably 14, 15 episodes a season. So there's some good watch in there. Cool. They're not going to do some sort of Better Call Saul spin mega spinoff. I mean, they could. They definitely there's definitely some stuff that was left open, but I don't know mm -hmm. if they'll they'll keep going that way or not. <laughs> cool. So my pick for this week is going to be the Freakonomics podcast. I think I've actually picked it before. If you're a very long time listener of React Roundup. But it's a show I've listened to for quite a while, and their last few episodes have been quite good. They're diving into the crazy world that is the U.S. college slash university system and like why it's crazy expensive and why like the how these like elite private schools can work and whether Ivy League schools are a good thing for society. Uh, some dealing with some pretty deep questions. And so I found it pretty interesting. And the show is just good in general. It's always a good listen. So that will be my pick. Nice. And uh, Shubham, any any picks for us this week? Yeah, so I have also a show that I cannot recommend enough, which is This Is Us. I have been watching uh, it and yep. like it's, it's just so, so incredible and so emotional. And it's kind of running the last season and probably last 
three or four episodes to go and like the best drama series i have ever watched yeah if you are looking some into something something in, in that genre to watch i think yeah that could be the best thing to <laughs> start i've heard heard good things about it i have not watched it yet so i'll put it on my list yeah i yes. watched it either but then again god there's so much tv <laughs> yeah. outrageous number of shows we could watch same though everything yes. i've heard about it is yeah. crazy positive so I, I think i need to get around to it also yeah <laughs> well shubham this yeah. has been fun my my last question for you today if people want to follow you uh, you know any, anything else what's the best place to reach out like this is a great place any any links you have social channels what would you recommend yeah i am decently active on twitter like shubham reacts is my twitter handle so. <laughs> very nice <laughs> yeah so like i think that that could be the channel that anyone can reach out to me on yeah sounds good. other than that not really active on <laughs> much of social media platforms so <laughs> uh that's quite okay but this has been an awesome chat thanks Indeed. for thanks for joining us i, yeah. I had a lot of fun i appreciate it yeah yeah same here yeah, had a nice chat Very thanks nice thank you guys yeah. yeah thanks everybody and see uh, see everyone next week see you then bye bye Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.